Well, as you can see, we all have just a little bit different picture of who we'd say Jesus is. What, what I find absolutely fascinating is to this day, we all, whether you are come from a religious background or not, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, whether you're a God believer or not, we all know about this man, Jesus. Think about this. This is crazy. This man who was a carpenter that turned rabbi that lived in an obscure part of the world who only lived 33 years was executed a uh, you know uh, on Roman cross as a uh, criminal thank you I'm like I I can't come up with words and I got to talk for another 30 minutes okay <laughs> it's going to be good uh, as a criminal thank you Katie uh, we know his name. In fact, chances are you know more about Jesus than most U.S. presidents, let alone past emperors and significant people of history. 2,000 years old, this obscure, out-of-the-way place, this carpenter-turned-rabbi. And yet he is a part of our culture. In fact, we find him popping up all over the place. For some who remember a, uh, a little-known band called The Beatles, I don't know if you heard of them or not. John Lennon made this famous comment that, hey, we're now more popular than Jesus. Um, he didn't quite last the whole way through, but... We're still talking about Jesus. Um, uh, for a little more current, uh, the infamous Kanye West, you know, Kanye made this comment, or, you know, he did this whole tour. I don't know if you remember this, anybody like his music, but he, he did this tour a couple of years ago called the Jesus Tour, but it's Jesus, J-E-E-Z-U-S, and literally had Jesus coming out onto the stage with him. Uh, there's been countless movies made about him, you know, most notably The Passion, uh, but but also you see in the theatrical realm, you have uh, Jesus Christ Superstar uh, on the TV. Uh, lots of cartoons, specifically more geared towards adult cartoons, have utilized Jesus in many ways, uh, like The Simpsons, South Park, Family Guy. He, he makes these cameos here. How is this 2,000-year-old rabbi showing up in our pop culture in fact, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, many use his name when you slam your thumb with a hammer, you know? I mean, you just, it just comes out. And what's weird is, is no one says, hits their thumb and goes, oh, Muhammad, you know? You know, it just doesn't happen that way. But, but somehow he turns into our colloquialisms as well. And here's what's fascinating. This rabbi... We mark time by his life. We're in the year 2015. And that date is the date of when we mark our years according to his life. A.D. isn't after death, by the way. It is literally anno domini. It's, year, it's Latin for the year of our Lord. This rabbi, this man, who, who has influenced us in more ways than we could understand. And yet when we ask, when we ask the question, who do you say I am? Very few people have given significant, deep, or thoughtful thoughts even to who do you say I am. Now, here's what's interesting. 
Every major religion actually has a response when we ask this question. Who do you say Jesus is? Uh, In Hinduism, Jesus could be one of many gods. Uh, Or another vein of Hinduism, there's the polytheistic, thank you very much. It's going to be a tough morning, guys. I apologize. Um, Side, and then there's also a vein that is actually atheist Hindus. I don't know if you knew that. I found that out via study. And so you just enter into the enlightenment state and that Jesus, they believe, when dying on the cross, entered into the enlightenment state there. Buddhism, uh, Buddhists would kind of have a similar vein in their response of who Jesus is. Islam says Jesus, well, he's a prophet. In fact, if you read the Quran, it talks about Jesus quite a bit, but he was a prophet of God endowed with special gifts to heal, but he was not God. You look at pop culture, and and what you notice is Jesus is pretty popular. The church isn't, but Jesus is. In fact, there's a lot of people that think quite highly of him. Some people have a fairly negative view, but most people, many people, when you ask who Jesus would say, he was a good man, even, even a great man. He was a great teacher who lived a, a virtuous life. And people in our culture, in our day, who would not be religious, who would not be spiritual, who would not be Jesus followers, would think highly of Jesus and Christianity we would say Jesus is not a good man, or he was not a prophet, but he was actually God. He was both fully man and fully God, and he entered onto the stage of human history to bring about restoration between man and humankind and God. And he died in our place, and only God can make the payment for you and for me that we might have a relationship with him. Now, here's what's so interesting. To me, I mean, there's lots of things in this that's going to be interesting. But this thing, common in our culture today, is to go, you know what, aren't basically all religions the same and all beliefs, you know? It's all, well, guys, we can't even agree on who Jesus is. And there's such difference of opinion. Uh, Now, this conversation isn't actually new to us. The question and wrestling with uh, who do you say Jesus is and coming up with, okay, who is he really? In his day, this was the question. This was the conversation. This is what people were wrestling with. If you got your Bibles, would you open them up to Mark chapter 8? It might say in your notes Mark 6, but it's Mark 8 verse 27. Jesus is leaving Bethsaida, which is this fishing town just in the northwest of the Sea of Galilee, and he's traveling uh, with his disciples about 25 miles up into the mountains to this city called uh, Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea Philippi was this city that uh, Augustus, um, or I mean Herod the Great, made famous by uh, building a large temple to Caesar. Uh, in that day, there was Caesar, they worshipped the emperor and this had just newly began. So Caesar claimed that he was a god, and there is this imperial cult, this worship of Caesar, the reigning emperor. And so uh, Herod the Great built this incredible temple to Caesar, and, he, and Jesus is on his way walking up there. Now Philip, his son, Herod's son, then after that came and expanded the city and renamed it and called it Caesarea for Caesar, but he couldn't help but get his own name in there. So it's Caesarea 
Philippi. Jesus is on his way with his disciples to the outpost in this area for the worship of the ruling empire, the ruling emperor of the world at that moment. And he asks this question, who do you say I am? But he starts, he starts back just a little bit. And I think that's where we often start. Who, what do other people say about me? He asked the disciples, what do people say, or who do people say I am? Now they, they replied, some say you're John the Baptist. Now Herod the Great had four sons, and one was named Philip. The other three were actually called Herod. He really liked his own name. And Herod Antipas ruled a part of that kingdom, and he actually beheaded John the Baptist. And when he heard all about what Jesus was doing, he got freaked out because he thought, you know what? Maybe this John the Baptist that I killed came back to life. So he was pretty nervous. And so this belief of maybe Jesus is John the Baptist come back to life And others say he's Elijah. Now, Elijah was this Old Testament prophet that did these incredible wonders and and signs, and yet he walked so close with God, the Old Testament text says that he didn't die. God just brought him up with him. And and the long-awaited Messiah, they they believed that Elijah would come first. And some are saying, maybe he's Elijah. Maybe he's coming back from God. Maybe he's not John the Baptist. Maybe he's Elijah. And others say he's a prophet. And so everyone who's been around Jesus has this big, grand view of Jesus. Of He's this powerful prophet like the ones of old. And then he turns the table and says, but what about you? What about you? What about you guys? You know, the guys that have spent the last two plus years with me, the guys that have walked with me, the guys who've been in boats, the guys who've seen me walk on water, the, the guys where we've slept in desert places, who, who, who have seen me early in the morning, late at night, the unfiltered me. What do you say about me? Because nobody knows Jesus at this point better than these 12. Peter speaks up. And if you know anything about Peter, that's his M.O. He likes to speak up. Sometimes he does real well, and sometimes he does real bad. <laughs> Next week, he's going to do real bad, okay? He's just come back for that. He's, it's not good. This week, he does real good, you know? Peter speaks up, and he speaks on behalf of the 12. He says, you are the Messiah. You're the Messiah. Literally, the Messiah means the anointed one. There was this hope, there was this longing that this anointed one from God would come and restore Israel, bring the people of God back, restore the kingdom of God, and bring justice and reign and peace, that that this Messiah would be the king to end all kingdoms, that he would bring peace and justice and life, that God indeed would reign over his people. Uh, in fact, the Messiah there uh, literally, like I said, means anointed. There's three things that uh, in the Old Testament where you had this anointing. It was first for prophets and then for priests and then for kings. So think about this. Imagine they're walking up from Caesarea Philippi on the way to the ruling king's place of worship where was declared by every Roman citizen, Caesar is Lord. And Peter has the guts in that moment. I mean, this is a grand moment for him, by the way. This is good. He says, you're the Messiah. You're, in fact, in Matthew, he says, you're the son of the living God. 
You're the long-awaited hope. You're what we just sang about. You're the cornerstone. You're, you're more than a man and you're more than a prophet. You're the Messiah. In fact, uh, for some of your translation, it says uh, the Christ. Christ, and we say that Christ isn't uh, his last name, by the way. It's a title. Um, Messiah is the Hebrew form, and Christ is the Greek form of the same word. They mean exactly the same thing, the anointed one. This is who, when when he asked, who do you say I am? You are the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. You are God, and you have come. Now, What I want to do with the remainder of our time is I want to take one of the options off the table for what we commonly say who Jesus is in our culture. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you've even said it. I just want to take one of the options off the table this morning and and pull back and say, there's something that we say so often, so many times, and and it's so common in our culture that we accept it as if it's true. And yet, there's the reality in, in what we're going to discover. It can't be true. I just want to take one option off the table. Do that first we have to look at the life of Jesus. And here's what we know about Jesus. First and foremost, he was a man of history. Jesus was a man of history. He lived in ancient Palestine, and both uh, modern-day scholars, historians, any serious uh, critic agrees, whether secular, whether uh, biblical, they all agree that Jesus was a historical figure. In fact, the ancient historians speak of Jesus and agree with the biblical text. Josephus, in, who lived around that time, talks of Jesus. He was a Jewish historian. Pliny, and for those that it matters, this is Pliny the Elder um, that know what that means. Uh, but Pliny the Elder, who was a historian, a Roman historian, speaks of Jesus and confirms biblical text. And also Tacitus, another historical historian. Hmm, that didn't work out. Um, but a historical figure in that day who, who wrote about Jesus. First, we know the life of Jesus. He was a man of history. The second thing we know is then he was a great man and a moral teacher. Both friends and enemies agree. In fact, there's times where his enemies were trying to figure out what can we bring against them, and they had to have people lie all throughout to this day. People say he's a great man. His teachings have revolutionized the world. And and oftentimes, we don't understand. We take for granted in how revolutionary Jesus' teachings were. I mean, just his teachings about women were revolutionary. In that day, might made right. And so men who were stronger than women got to set the rules and oppress anyone who was weaker than them. In this world, men were the dominant power. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. And by the way, one of the pictures that's so powerful of this is Mary and Martha, and we miss it. Mary and Martha, Jesus, Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, and Martha's busybody, and we, and we often identify, oh, I don't want to be busy, I want to be sitting at Jesus' feet. You know what's so powerful about that moment? Mary was taking the posture of a disciple, something in that culture only a man could do, and Jesus invited and said, no, all of humanity elevated men and women equal before God. And when he said, Mary has chosen the better, he wasn't saying, don't be busy and don't work. It's like, 
you come and sit at my feet. You're invited to be a disciple. Unheard of in that day. I said it a few weeks ago, Jesus was the first women's liberator. I mean, just think about this. Our understanding of how we help the hurting and the broken and those who are in need, that was not the culture in fact, if anyone was disfigured, if anyone was sick, if it, if it was your own family, you ostracized them. If you had someone who was born to you that wasn't quite the right gender or was, didn't come out just quite right, you would drop them off in a trash heap to die. And Jesus said, no, 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 I'm going to touch the lepers and care for the hurting and broken. I, I mean, our concept of humility it becomes a, a celebrated thing. It was unheard of in the Roman culture. This whole idea of servant leadership, which has become real big in the secular world, right? And, and he's, he's the one who started all of this. He's a great moral teacher and a great man. First we know he's a man of history, a great moral teacher. And then thirdly, he was a wonder worker, the miracles of Jesus went unchallenged in his day and in his time and the historical writers of that day, extra biblical texts, speak about them. Now, they disagreed on where they came from. In fact, there's one group that said he was doing it because of the devil, but they didn't disagree that he did them. In fact, H.G. Wells, a noted historian, prolific writer, wrote this, I'm a historian I'm not a believer, but I confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all of history. Who do you say I am? We know he's a man of history, a great man of moral, you know, great moral teacher, a wonder worker, but here's where it becomes problematic. Because most of us, most of us can agree. In fact, almost all of us in this room can agree on all three. But most of us, whether you're religious or non-religious, spiritual, not spiritual, uh, God believer or not, you can agree at least on generally two out of the three. Okay, he's a man of history and he's a great teacher, you know, and moral man, lived a virtuous life. I don't know about the wonder working thing, but, but most of us can agree but here's what's problematic when you begin to look at Jesus' life and his teaching. And here's what begins to take one of these options of what we so commonly buy into or what we so commonly believe about Jesus off the table is when we begin to look at the claims of Jesus. See, because here's what Jesus claimed. Jesus claimed to be God. He didn't just claim to be sent from God. He didn't just claim to be a prophet of God. No other religious figure or religious leader of any major religion claims to be from God. Muhammad's prophet of God. He's a messenger of God. Jesus claimed to be God. Now we have some of these, these minor these minor kind of cultic religions, and we hear it even pop up to these, this day. Some people believe that they're God. What do we call them? crazy loons off the rocker and the only person crazier than the people who think they're god is the people who follow them right jesus 
Jesus claimed to be God. He claimed to exist before Abraham. In fact, he taught, took on the, the covenant name of, of Yahweh, of God's chosen people, Yahweh, I am. He often referred to himself in that way. He claimed oneness with God. He said, the Father and I are one and the same. He, he claimed that to see him was to see God. And when you looked at Jesus, you saw God himself. But he didn't just claim to be God. He claimed the authority of God. He, did, he claimed to be and do things that only God can do. And, and not just the miracles, by the way, because we have, we, we've heard stories and the prophets of old did miracles. He did this. He received worship. Only God should receive worship. He forgave sins. We talked about this. It was blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. He claimed perfection. Jesus claimed to be God, claimed the authority of God, and his followers agreed. His followers professed his deity. The disciples professed his deity. In fact, all of them died for the fact that they believed Jesus was God. Peter, we talked about, so bold. He, he died this way. He, he was going to be crucified on a Roman cross, and he didn't consider uh, that he could be able to be uh, crucified in the manner of his Lord, and so he asked them to hang him upside down. It's <laughs> a pretty strong belief. Even Jesus' half-brothers, James and Jude, Think about, I mean, just come on, come on. Think about what it would take to get your brother to believe you're God. Or maybe flip it around. For you to believe your brother is God. Not just a man, not just a good man. Think about, think about growing up and your brother's God. You know? Like, oh my gosh, there he is. Well, is he right? Well, he's always right. You know, perfect straight A's, unbelievable. You know, but think of what it would take to convince you. I mean, I have two brothers. Sometimes they acted a little godlike with me, you know. But uh, but I never once believed they were God. His brothers, closest, grew up with him. Said, "Dude, we believe you're not just a good man. We believe you're the God man." Even the apostle Paul who was an enemy of the early followers who persecuted and killed, believed he was God. And his enemies, Jesus' enemies, confirmed his claim. John 10, right, uh, the gospel writer writes this. Again, the Jewish opponents, now just think about this. This is a repeated occurrence in the life of Jesus. Again, the Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. Man, we so often celebrate all that he did and the mass of people that followed him, which is great and is true, but he had a group that said, we want to kill you, and on repeated occasions, they picked up stones and said, come on, we're going to get you again. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? Now listen to their response. We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Who do you say this carpenter turned rabbi who was killed on a Roman cross 
who is this person that's divided history and we count time by, who has changed the way we understand even our moral and ethics and values. See, there's one thing, and there's one answer that is taken off the table. And the answer is that he was simply a good man and a moral teacher. He has taken that off the table because of his claims. See, he is either first a liar. He is a deceiver. He knew he wasn't God and yet claimed to be God, led thousands and thousands of people down the wrong road. That this world-renowned, great, moralistic teacher taught, and he lived a hypocritic life. That all, but here's the problem. He, he espoused all these incredible ethics and this sacrificial life, and then died living a lie. So he's either a liar, he can't be a good moral man, a good teacher, a great teacher, because he claimed to be God. And we already identify anybody today that says that he's crazy. That's the other part. He's either a liar or he's a loony. He's a lunatic. He is absolute crazy out of his mind. Maybe he really believed he was God. And so he began this, you know, he had this overactive, you know, id inside himself. And he, he, you know, just had this whole self, you know, grand hero, narcissistic worldview. And so he believed truly that he was God. Problem is even secular historians treat Jesus with a seldom seen reverence. Napoleon Bonaparte said this about him. Everything in Christ astonishes me. Between him and whatever else in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. He is truly a being by himself. And would a lunatic, would a lunatic have lived such a life of consistency and self-sacrifice that critics agree this is the life he lived? He is either a liar, he is either a lunatic, or he is indeed who he said he was. He is Lord and God. He is the God of the universe taking on human flesh. I love what C.S. Lewis wrote about this. He wrote this in his uh, book, Mere Christianity. And if you've never read it, grab it, you know, get it on the Kindle, read it. It's a short little book, but it's pretty uh, thoughtful, and so it'll take you a little bit of time. But it is a Christian classic. You need to read it. Even if you don't fully believe in in the whole thing, man, read it. Investigate. He wrote this. I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He'd either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit him uh, and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. 
But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Who? Who? Who do you say he is? We've talked about what everybody else says he is. Looked at what different religions say he is. Jesus in the conversation traveling from Bethsaida to Caesarea Philippi. He started in the broad, what do other people say? But at some point, he looked into his followers' eyes and said, who do you say I am? How about you? See, he cannot, he cannot, he cannot stay as simply a good man. And friends, honestly, for those who are followers of Jesus, a lot of times we intellectually say he's God, but we treat him like a good man. And you remember that t-shirt, Jesus is my homeboy, (laughs) you know? He is not your homeboy. He is the God of the universe who came and sacrificed his life for you that you might have life. He is either Lord or a loony, and as Lord, he deserves your surrendered fellowship and nothing less. See, when you answer that question, it determines how you go about life. Who do you say he is? Because if he is Lord, if he indeed is Lord, then at some point you got to say, he's more than a savior, but he is God. And so he gets to take the lead, and he gets to call the shots. If he's Lord, then I get to follow him. See, for some, I think in this room, it's, it's a moment of when you actually thoughtfully answered this question of surrender. And where you maybe trusted Jesus as Savior, and I need a Savior, but, but quite honestly, I just want to keep God. I just want to keep him as a genie and keep him over here and somehow kind of keep that in that area and go, I'll keep him where I want him to be. And so we treat him like a good man with good advice. He is the God man. And if he is the Lord, then he gets to lead. And our response is simply to follow. Whatever you say, I'll do. Whatever you show me, wherever you go, I'll follow. So let me just close with this. Real personally, in your life, not someone else, but would you take a moment and simply answer that question thoughtfully? Who do you say Jesus is? Because how you answer that will determine how you live, how I live my life.